0: conversations all over the place. I'm pretty mobile. Doesn't matter where we're at. We could take a second, do a conversation to share with you guys some awesomeness of whoever we're speaking to is doing. But how about a mobile introduction? Got to go to work, right? Don't have a lot of time today, but it's like, hey, I need to get a show out. Let's do this. Edge of your seat podcast in a moving vehicle. Don't worry. We're doing it safely, too. Nobody's got a phone to their ear, anything like that. This is your host, Brandon LaChance, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 218. 218 shows, moving strong. On this episode, we have Mendota soccer coach Nick Myers and boys player Jonathan Cortez. We break down their amazing fall season that they had, winning their first ever sectional. They had been to two In the past, one being my senior year in 2004, which is also Nick Meyer's senior year, we were classmates in Mendota, and one other about three years ago with Nick coaching. They finally got the W in the fall. The whole town of Mendota was representing them. It was nuts. We break that down. Plus, Nick gets into this season that's going on right now with the girls team, the Lady Trojans. Mendota's a soccer town right now. Football team did well, made the playoffs. Basketball team, you know, was improved. They won a regional game. But soccer for the last three, four years has been the focus of Mendota sports for the media, for the outside world. Everywhere I go, hey, how's that Mendota soccer team? Whoa, did you see this match? The soccer team has got all of the buzz, all the excitement when it comes to Mendota sports. So we had to have them on this show. This is going to be a giant grab bag introduction, though. We got to start with the slap heard around social media. The Oscars. Chris Rock makes a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. Will Smith does not like it. Smiles originally. Then the smile goes away. He walks like a G across the stage and smacks Chris Rock. We don't usually use explicit language on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, but in the words of Chris Rock, as soon as it happened, I just got the shit slapped out of me by Will Smith. And he did. Then Will Smith sits down and yells at him to keep his wife's name out of his mouth. If you have a Facebook, a Twitter, a Instagram, a LinkedIn, a whatever it is, you have read the story you've seen the memes seen the video it is absolutely everywhere and everybody's got an opinion was Will Smith just defending his wife was just this some charade was it set up was it staged does Chris Rock have a brick jaw he might because he didn't even really flinch his head moved back because you know that's gravity that's force that's you know how the world works But he turned right around and didn't even miss a second. Just got back to his Chris Rock ways real quick. Read a couple stories where they're breaking this down as a symbol of our society. And how we move and how we are very sensitive and things of that nature. But if you rewind a little bit, Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith were on Oprah airing all their family deals and if they've been with other people and cheated on each other their open relationship and all this other stuff so was it just a a joke from a comedian who tells jokes and will smith overreacted i don't know if i'm the one to say i kind of get a little of it all i understand i don't think the joke was funny first of all i mean jada pinkett smith's got alopecia. she can't grow hair at the moment it's a disease or a condition don't think that's something you make fun of. But I'm not a comedian. I don't get paid to do that. Will Smith did defend his wife. Smacked the person that said the joke. And then yelled at the person and never say your name again. You could take that as, you know, defending his wife. Because that's exactly what he was doing. Or you could take it as Will Smith finally letting it out. I mean, he has been destroyed in media and talked about in their relationship and all these other things. And maybe this was his... Getting out, party like hey, stop talking about me and my wife, and did something about it. You can look at it that way too, but you could also look at it like hey, you put yourself in the limelight and your whole family situation of what was going on. So, I think it's a double edged sword. I think you could take it a lot of different ways. I don't think it's a symbol of our society. I think there's people telling jokes and stuff every single day and not getting slapped. I don't think it's the death of comedy. I've seen that. I don't think that's at all. First of all, I think it's got to be funny to be comedy. And Chris Rock, to me, is you know an average comedian. I know some people think he's a legend. I don't think he's all that hilarious all the time. I think his facial expressions are more funny than the words that he says. But it's got to be funny first. And he did attack somebody that has a condition. So, take it how you want to, but it is the slap heard around social media. That's what I'm calling it. You know what? I might even name this podcast that... Because why not? The slap herd around social media. Before we jump into anything else, and we got a lot of different things to talk about, let's get it to the plugs. Don't know where you're listening to this show, but you can listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and our website, www.rss.com/podcasts, that's plural with an S/edge of Your Seat Podcast. On social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. If you have questions, suggestions, don't like something I said, like something I said, have a different opinion than a guest, want to be a guest on the show, know somebody that would be a good guest, or you want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, send us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And huge shout-out to Brian Cavelli, the man, the myth, the legend behind the intro and outro beat that you hear every time you hit play or stop on an episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This show is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Usually when I do a grab bag, I save the RIPs, the rest in peace, for the end of the show. We're gonna switch it up, cause you know, we gotta end on a a happy note today. Why not, just seems like a happy day. Let's keep it happy. And today is Wednesday, March 30th. Can't believe March is almost over. Months are flying by, years flying by, but hey, we know the deal. 60 seconds to a minute. 60 minutes to an hour. Not enough hours in a day. That's just the demo, that's how it goes rest in peace scott hall aka razor ramon aka the bad guy aka the lone wolf aka one of my all-time favorite wrestlers i've never put him in a top five i'd probably put him in a top 15 maybe a top 10 he might squeeze in the bottom of there but just charismatic he had the look he played the Scarface like as razor ramon so well great matches Ladder matches with Shawn Michaels were never forgettable. Had a Survivor Series match where he tags with Ric Flair against Mr. Perfect and Macho Man. All Hall of Famers. Every single one of them. And that put him on the map. That was like 92 Survivor Series. Then he leaves the WWE in 1996, goes to WCW, and forms the NWO with Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. The most iconic group stable ever in the world of wrestling the nwo could the storylines could have went better could wcw not have folded a lot of it was because they could not get over the nwo angle and just kept milking it and milking it and milking it and then it got really stale and boring and people flipped the channel it did do that but at the same time it was one of the most iconic things to ever happen in wrestling look how many people tried to end hulkamania Andre the Giant, Bobby Heenan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase, Ric Flair. The list will go on and on and on and on. But it didn't happen until Scott Hall became an outsider, then he brought in Kevin Nash, and then they ended Hulkamania by starting NWO with Hulk Hogan. All these legends tried to do it. It did not happen until Scott Hall started the nwo or wcw and eric bischoff and everybody in the back deciding that this is a good move but however on camera scott hall kevin nash ended hulkamania everybody knew his problems with drugs and alcohol substance abuse pretty much for the last 20 25 maybe more years diamond dallas page tried to help him with ddp yoga Changed his life around probably got him to you know advance his life a little bit stay here a little while longer he did pass away march 14th he fell broke his hip and during surgery ended up having a blood clot and he had three heart attacks on the same day because of that process the blood clots just took him they couldn't figure out what was going on heart attacks and eventually it took his life sad end but you know it's the end of the bad guy right he went out like a g just like the bad guy razor ramon scott hall would rest in peace thank you for entertaining me and everybody else that paid attention throughout the years if you didn't know we've said the word march a couple times that only means one thing march madness the ncaa men's basketball tournament we're down to the final four The Final Four taking place this weekend, Saturday, April 2nd. Lots of things have happened, obviously. Illinois, the most disappointing four seed, in my mind, of the season. And just a downward spiral at the end. Guards weren't playing well. Kofi, the big guy, was kind of taken out of his game. I guess by the end of the season, people had scouted Illinois enough to know that their game plan was what it was, and if they tried to adapt or do something different, they knew what that was as well. They were kind of a one or two trick pony, and at the end of the season, everybody figured it out. I mean, first of all, in the Big Ten tournament, Illinois is the number one seed and loses to number nine Indiana in the second round after they had already upset Michigan. So they upset Michigan and then upset Illinois, the number one seed. That should have never happened. Illinois did not come to play, which was the exact same thing in the NCAA tournament. They just slide by in the first round and then get knocked out 68-53 to 53 to Houston. Nasty. Houston did make it to the lead eight, but Illinois was... Re- guarded as a really really good team and a lot of people had him in their final four or Elite eight i did not i had him going in the sweet 16 and one and i had him being knocked out in the second round by houston and another so i did get this right but i shouldn't have been right not by any means illinois should have won this game other ncaa tournament notes the upsets the chaos the Cinderella stories. We're epic this year. Kentucky, a two seed, falls to 15 St. Peter's. and St. Peter's isn't done. They beat Murray State and Purdue to go to an Elite Eight. That's three upsets. St. Peter's was supposed to be a one and done, hey, you made it to the tournament, good job. Great season, we'll see you later after you lose to Kentucky. No, they go to overtime with Kentucky, beat them, Murray State was a very, very capable seven seed. And then Purdue is a three. Purdue, the great hope of the Big Ten after Wisconsin, a three seed, fell. Illinois fell. Indiana fell. It's like, Purdue's got this. No, no, not at all. St. Peter's, the monster upset. They didn't advance after the Elite Eight. But, hey, great season for St. Peter's. Showed out. Did something nobody else thought they were going to. Mentioned a couple of the top seeds that were out But man a lot of them fell Arizona a one seed Gonzaga who 40% of the country had predicted to win this gone Baylor trying to defend their championship and win back-to-back. Nope gone Already mentioned Wisconsin Tennessee a very strong three seed that in one of my brackets. I had in the championship i thought they could do it nope gone kansas is the only number one left and they're playing like a number one i actually had providence in both of my brackets to beat them i thought providence big guys they're shooting they've been on point all season and would knock off kansas nope kansas the only number one remaining as az baylor and gonzaga all number ones out skis. So now, this sets up the Final Four. Like I said, Saturday, April 2nd. That's this Saturday, it's coming. I can't wait to watch these games. Or this matchup. 8C North Carolina versus number two Duke. We all know the rival, North Carolina and Duke is a monster matchup. And this year is different than others because this is Coach K's last hurrah. He's been with the program which seems like five decades been with duke forever he's retiring and he's going to end with the season where he meets north carolina in the final four i feel like this is a storybook ending i really do feel that way on the other side we got villanova a two seed against kansas if it's duke and kansas in the final this is a storybook ending and i will put money on duke to win it coach k walks into the sunlight sunset he's already been in the sunlight spotlights he's got enough of that going to the sunset career behind him ending with a championship that would be epic that would solidify him as possibly the best coach ever i think there's only two in mind when i think ncaa men's basketball coaches that are in this pier and it's john wooden ucla's dominance and then coach k I don't think there's anybody else that you can put up with them. There's a lot of great ones. Roy Williams, Dean Smith. Lots of great ones. I don't think there's anybody in the tier with John Wooden and Coach K. You know why he's called Coach K? Because his last name is almost unpronounceable. Mike Krzyzewski. Well, we just go Coach K. No reason to butcher names here on Edge of Your Seat podcast. And that's what I'm going. I'm going Duke, Kansas. I would love to see it in the final. And I will, I will put some jelly beans on Duke winning it all. What is really crazy is it seemed like this was gonna be a season where the blue bloods don't show out. Kentucky gets beat in the first round. North Carolina's an eight seed. Duke a two, Kansas a one. But with all the upsets that were going on, it seemed like they could easily be beat. No, nope. The Blue Bloods show out and have three of the final four spots. thought this was going to be a different year. I mean, I guess last year was with Baylor winning. And Villanova could still possibly do this. If they beat Kansas, that's not an upset. If they beat Duke or North Carolina, that's not an upset. But they are in Blue Blood territory. They certainly are. Before we leave NCAA talk, I have not discussed this yet watching Michigan in the NCAA tournament kind of made me sick. Juan Howard should have been fired, should have been fired before the regular season ever ended. If you're a sports fan, you saw this. He struck like physically struck an assistant coach for Wisconsin in the handshake line at the end of a game and only got suspended five games for the regular season. So a little slap on the hand and said, Hey, Come back around for the Big Ten Tournament, which Indiana put them out of their misery. Thank you, Hoosiers. And then they make a little run in the NCAA Tournament. Should not have happened. Juan Howard should have been fired. I don't know if the whole team should have been disqualified, but maybe. Why is it okay for your coach to physically strike somebody, get a $40,000 fine, and come back and coach and, hey, you're in this tournament? Don't think that's fair. Don't think it's right. I think the consequences should have been stiffer. It is not okay to strike an assistant coach, no matter what was said, what was being done. I guess we can go full circle, and that's an argument about Will Smith smacking somebody. Chris Rock. Unacceptable. Probably should never have been done. Definitely not on the college basketball stage where everybody around you, is impressionable and looking at you as their coach their role model and the reason they wanted to go to this college to play basketball when you have a name like Juan Howard a member of the Fab Five in Michigan in the 90s long tenured NBA player was gracious taking the job has said all the right words and then you do something like this should have been fired let's take a break in the grab bag and have a word with our sponsor Shimmer Mendota Ford Shimmer Mendota Ford is a dealership that wants to help the community. Wants you to come purchase a car. Not once, not twice. As many times as you need a car. They want to form a bond, a relationship. They don't just want to be a car salesman. They want to be a friend. An adopted family member. Somebody that you look at as like, hey, I trust them. I want to buy a car from them. Mendota Ford manager Ski Hartman and his staff. Doug Safranek and Jason Hintz are here to help you to get you the vehicle you want, want the keys for, to drive right off the lot. Doug Safranek, 2003 Boys Basketball Player of the Year, has mingled with the community for such a long time and he knows his cars. So mix those two together and Safranek can help you get you the car of your dreams. Jason Hintz has been with Sherman Mendota 4 for seven years and has the experience to do the exact same thing put the keys in your hand with a little jingle jangle and make you extremely happy with your vehicle purchase if you can't make it to the lot and you can buy a vehicle off any shimmer lot mendota ford will help you get it if it's not on their lot any vehicle any any vehicle i did the same thing november it's like hey i need a car want a nice one i want a chevy malibu Obviously, Shimmer Mendota Ford wouldn't have one. Went to one of the other lots, found the car that I was looking for. If you go to a lot and don't see anything, hop on the website, www.mendotaford.com, and you can shop that way. Find the car, tell Safranic, tell Hints, tell Ski Hartman, the manager, they'll find it for you. Shimmer Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on 251 and can be reached at 815-539-9134. This is an old one, but I had to talk about this just for a second. The Washington Commanders? Really? I know we wanted to get rid of the Redskins, the racist profiling, Native Americans. I get it. Washington Commanders. It's awful. Awful, awful name. It's better than the Washington football team, I will say that, but not much, not much at all. There was a lot of NBA moves around trade deadline, getting ready for the stretch, the playoff home race, trying to reach, trying to make your team as complete as possible as we approach the end of the season. The biggest trade to me, Ben Simmons to the Nets, James Harden to the 76ers. We all know the deal with Ben Simmons. Ended last year in the playoffs. Just became a joke. Fell apart, was scared to shoot. His game just kinda crumbled. James Harden has had issues everywhere he goes. He forces himself out. He's weird in a way that some people can play with him, some people can't. He's a dominant ball player. He can score. His defense has gotten a little better. There was a time where he didn't play any defense whatsoever. So they both have their issues. But they're both, at the top of their game, top ten players in the NBA. They have the skill, they have the talent, they have the knowledge, they know how to play the game. Problem is, is they're letting these distractions, these outside forces of basketball gods, I don't know what to call it really, distract them from doing what they do. Ben Simmons hasn't played all year, and it's been excuse after excuse after excuse. Instead of coming back and trying to show out with the 76ers to get him in a spot he wants to be, which, I mean, going to the Nets isn't bad. Uh, there's a couple guys there you might heard of in uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They don't have much behind that. A few players, but their bench is really, really thin. And if Durant and Irving are not balling out, they're in trouble bring in somebody like Ben Simmons that helps the defense it helps control the pace of the game fast breaks and he's an elite inside scorer but he can't shoot the three can't shoot free throws and he's easily rattled obviously that's why he's not playing but you're a professional ball player you're getting paid millions of dollars to be on a roster and you're not even playing it's frustrating get over it see a counselor play the game james harden could probably say the same thing either go see a counselor or go to the strip club that legitimately retired your jersey he has a jersey hanging at a strip club do what you have to do pray to it like Allah or what have you play the game it's what you're paid to do that's what we want to see and now you're on the 76ers with Joel Embiid, who's having an MVP type season. And there's plenty of pieces around you to make a strong playoff push, if not the Eastern Conference Finals. If this team is clicking on all cylinders, the 76ers are going to be very, very, very difficult to beat. So I'm very interested in this and want to see how this plays out. You know, we got to talk about the Bulls. Got a Big 107-94 win last night against the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards are slumping. They don't have their best player in Bradley Beal. He's been out for quite some time. But the Bulls cannot, cannot beat a good or great team. I mean, the night before they lost to the Knicks, not a great team. Middle of the road, actually, probably towards the bottom of the standings. They're 4-6 in their last 10 games. And they have one win against a top three seed in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference. And that's against the Celtics. One win against the Celtics, no wins against Miami, winless against Milwaukee, and have not defeated Phoenix, Memphis, or Golden State. And actually, the Celtics just took the three spot from the 76ers, who the Bulls have not beat either. So if the 76ers are a top three seed in the Eastern Conference, the Bulls have zero wins against a top three team in either conference. That's depressing. Before the All-Star Game, the Bulls were rolling. Everybody thought, man, this is a great team. Don't know where they're going to end. They had the number one spot in the Eastern Conference locked up for a while. They had the best record in the NBA for a little bit. And then now it's like they've fallen off the planet right after the All-Star game. They have the talent, obviously. They have a coach in Billy Donovan who's got some good game plans. But now you gotta put it together and make it happen. We need to win some games right now in the five spot in the Eastern Conference, but could easily fall to six. We gotta push, keep battling. Jussie Smulet, dumbest move ever dumbest, dumbest, dumbest. This has been going on for two years. He deserved to get locked up. Probably deserved longer. You lied to the whole world. The whole entire world except the two people that you probably paid to come beat you up or whatever the story was. So stupid. You deserve to be locked up. I'd lock you up longer. You're lucky I wasn't the judge. Brittany Griner, detained in Russia since February she got arrested in the airport near moscow for possessing hash oil and now her detention has been extended until may 19th united states is freaking out like oh why do they have her shouldn't have her locked up she needs to be out she went to a country had an illegal substance on her possession in another country that doesn't allow that if a colombian or another foreigner comes to the United States of America with a substance that's illegal they're getting locked up the key is being thrown away for however long they feel necessary they have cocaine they have heroin in the 1920s if they had alcohol they were getting arrested and put in prison it's just common sense and that's what happens she had something illegal and now she is going through the illegal circumstances. That's what happens. So why are we getting all crazy about why she's still in Russia and still detained? If it was me and not a famous basketball player, I would be over there for five to ten years. Easy. If somebody from Russia came over to the United States, they'd be locked up for 20 to 30. That's just how it goes. Don't walk around a country or an airport with something that's illegal in that country. Seems simple to me. Cruising to work, seeing a lot of buildings, a lot of residential, a lot of businesses, and thinking, it's about to be warm. It's 60 today. End of March. That means it's time for home renovations. It's time to make all those areas that might have a ding or a dent or anything that you want to fix you want to repair it's time it's time to give olson construction a call have them come over and fix every room in your home something's wrong in the bedroom they got you kitchen need some tiling need a new roof they're experts in roofing been doing it for over 12 years staircase need some work need to resettle some boards they got you your shed, your garage, your attic, your basement, anything needs something different, a change, a fix, they got you. Olson Construction is a family-owned and licensed business to help you with all of your home renovation needs. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the experience, the knowledge, to make your home exactly the way you want it. Look, comfort, all of the above, they got you. For a free estimate, give Olson Construction a call at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to Olson Construction 19 at gmail.com. We have to get into some NFL talk, and there's a lot. A lot of huge moves have happened. But first, yesterday nfl owners approved a change in the overtime rules both teams will now be assured a possession in overtime so instead of the sudden death that we've known forever it's no more whoever wins the toss gets the ball first gets an opportunity to score but the other team will have a chance right afterwards it's no more hey you win the toss you score game over That is no more. And this is all because of the playoff divisional round game between Kansas City and Buffalo this past season. An amazing game, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, goes to overtime. Kansas City gets the toss, scores, game over. Buffalo doesn't get to answer. And everybody was complaining because our society has changed. I don't know if it's, hey, everybody needs a shot or a chance what have you. Although we've been doing the sudden death rule since the game came about and overtime was applied, now everybody was like, hey, why didn't Buffalo get a try? Because those were the rules. So they had a meeting. The owners were like, hey, both teams deserve a chance. So let's do this. I understand and I think it's a good idea. But what happens if, say... This Kansas City-Buffalo game goes into overtime. Kansas City scores, then Buffalo scores. So then we do another one. Kansas City scores, then Buffalo scores. Then we do another one. Kansas City scores, Buffalo scores. How long is this game going to go on? When does it end? At that point, do we like, okay, after three of these, then it's sudden death? Like, how does that work? Because, I mean, sports games are already pretty long. You know, I hear people complain about going to the movies and it's like two hours, two and a half hours. A game can last anywhere from two to three. Anywhere in between. Now you're going to add on overtimes? If it gets to that point? Sure, it's not going to be every game. But I've watched seven overtime college basketball games before. Baseball games going 19 innings. Lasting six, seven hours. That was one thing that was cool about the NFL is it was sudden death. The best of the best. Yeah, it's kind of luck. Everything's a little bit of luck, right, when it comes to sports. But now they could possibly go on longer. That's all I'm saying. But in the terms of fairness, if that's what this is based on, then okay, I get it. Let's break down some signings, some re-signings, some trades. First of all, Tom Brady returns. Go figure. The dude's not going to stop. All he knows is football aaron Rodgers stays in green bay i thought he was leaving i was hoping he was leaving as a chicago bears monster fan and a hater of the packers i wanted him gone but it doesn't surprise me he's aaron Rodgers. it's the green bay packers the weird and the weird stick together that's what happens von miller signs a six-year 120 million dollar deal 51 of it guaranteed to go to the buffalo bills Just won a Super Bowl ring with the Los Angeles Rams. He's a linebacker, 32 years old, eight-time Pro Bowler with Denver. He was drafted in 2011. So this guy has been in the league for 11 years, and he's going to sign a deal for six more? If you know anything about the NFL, when you're getting banged on and beat up and pushed every single play of every game of your career and you've been doing it for 12 seasons he's a two-time super bowl champion so he's had long postseason rides so extra games that's a very very long time six extra years that means he will be in the league for 18 years by the time this is over for a linebacker in the nfl that is unheard of that is a very long time I don't know that that happens. That would make him 38 years old when he walks out of the NFL. He's a linebacker. He's not a protected quarterback or a protected kicker, a punter, who seem like they can play in the NFL until they're 50. Tom Brady's 43. Just don't think it was a wise idea for Buffalo for that long. Six years seems like an eternity, but they will get a great two to three years out of him. So maybe the rest is just like, hey, thank you for coming here. Thanks for coming to Buffalo where it's been really hard for us to get people to come here. We really want to win a Super Bowl. We need you to do it. So we're gonna pay you crazy, ridiculous money and give you a contract that you probably won't live out. Here you go, man. Make us proud. I feel like that's what happened. Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders. I love it. He's not a Packer anymore. He is a fantastic wide receiver. I'm glad he's not with the Packers. I don't know what they do with him in Los Angeles. They've had other great wide receivers, Amari Cooper, to list one, and nothing really happens. So, hopefully this isn't the end of his career, something cool happens, but I'm glad he's not a Packer. Allen Robinson signs with the Rams. Obviously, as a Bears fan, I didn't want to see him go, but as a Bears fan, I knew he was leaving. But now, he forms the best wide receiver threesome in the NFL, Cooper Cup odell beckham jr and then Allen robinson that is going to be unstoppable it doesn't matter how good your defense is that is a wide receiver threesome that is not going to be stopped KC had the best receiving class or core and it still might be pretty solid but not as good as it once was tyree Hill traded to miami so now the kansas city receiving core juju smith schuster McCole, Hardman, Marquez Vasquez-Scantling, Josh Gordon, and of course you got Travis Kelsey. Still good, still formidable, but I don't think it's besting the Rams. Eek. More Bears news. It's reported that they're trying to trade backup quarterback Nick Foles. Good. They should get rid of him. They signed lineman Laschavius Simmons to a one-year deal. He's going to back up Larry Borum we need all the depth all the help that we can on the line seems every year we're depleted hurt we needed bodies sign some more wide receiver Byron Pringle signs a one-year deal I'm cool with it he's a good two a good three we're gonna need top performances from every wide receiver wearing a Bears uniform Darnell Mooney's the number one Pringle a two Kwame St. Brown is the three. They're going to have to show out every single game they have to play their A game. Otherwise, it's going to be hard for the Bears to move the ball in the air. Chicago did some releasing. Released running back Tariq Cohen. He was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, he's been hurt. Hard for him to come back. And defensive tackle Eddie Goldman had some good games, had some bad games. Not really sad that he's not on the team. Some quick one-offs, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, signed with ESPN to broadcast Monday Night Football. I love Troy Aikman. Joe Buck, I'm not a, a hater like a lot of other people are. He's okay. He's solid. He gets to the point. He's super serious and does mess some things up sometimes, but he also calls a game and is sort of entertaining with his buddy Troy Aikman. I'm glad that they're together. I think they make a good duo, and they're going to bring some excitement to Monday Night Football. That hasn't been in there in a little while. Amazon Prime is taking over Thursday night football games. That's cool. And they got my favorite announcer, broadcaster of all time, Al Michaels. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet doing the games for Amazon Prime. That'll be entertaining. I'm definitely gonna tune in. And we're gonna leave the grab bag with one more note right before we get to Mendota Soccer's, Nick Myers, Jonathan Cortez. We're going to talk about the Cubs. They signed outfielder Saya Suzuki to a five-year, $85 million contract. He's 27 years old, going to make his MLB debut. He's been playing in Japan since he was 18. 2013 was his first season. They don't play 182 games like the MLB does, but they're still in the hundreds. Last season, 2021, he played 134 games. He hit 38 home runs, he had 77 runs, 139 hits, a batting average of 317, on base percentage of 433, and a slugging percentage of 639. After the crazy fire sale of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Anthony Rizzo, they needed a name, they needed somebody to spark the new era of the Chicago Cubs, and this might be the guy. He can hit, he's a good fielder, and it's wonderment, right? You're curious, is he going to be awesome, is he not? So we're going to tune into games, see what happens, and hopefully he is awesome. Hopefully he helps the Chicago Cubs get back on the map and be a good team again. Well, that's it. We're going to wrap the grab bag up right there. We got two amazing conversations. Nick Myers, Jonathan Cortez, talking some soccer. We will be back soon with another episode of edge of your seat podcast maybe mobile maybe not we'll let you know when we get there until next time peace for the last few months you know fall usually a football sport usually in our neck of the woods but soccer in the last few years has picked up the popularity and in mendota illinois there's good reason the soccer team has been fantastic Boys' side the girls have played well as well when it's their time in the spring. But fall-wise, boys soccer in Mendota is the cream of the crop. You want to go to every game, every match, and see what these kids can do. And we have a big proponent of that on our show right now, head coach Nick Myers. Nick, man, this team was awesome to watch. It was
1: incredible. I mean, sometimes just standing back as the coach and just watching them—like, just they, it, it really was. It was, it was just awesome. They, they click together. They're a joy. Um, never had a problem once at a practice. They, they all get along. They all, everybody puts their personal wants for accomplishments aside, and everything was about the team. So it just—it was an incredible run. You know, again, never in my wildest dreams would I have envisioned that we would have started and gone twenty-two and zero. That's tough. in any not have, a,
0: not have a, like a hiccup but it
1: was it was an awesome
0: run undefeated first time in mendota history did you guys go 19 and 0 uh yeah 19 yes yeah, sorry 19 and
1: I'm, i keep saying 22 i apologize it was 23 games we went um unbeaten before we lost to the super so yeah 19 and 0 regular season so that i mean that Through the, once we got past the on the Roseville game, I was like, we we might actually have a chance to do this. But then the one thing I never let the boys do was to start looking ahead at, at that, at the possibility of that. It was just one game at a time, and if we end up we end up going undefeated, that's great. But that that wasn't the goal. Um, the goal for the season was definitely. Getting our first ever sectional title as a school, and we we were able to do that. But then, kind of the other feather in the cap was to be able to say we
0: finished 19-0, which I don't foresee another soccer team in Mendota doing that for a very long time. Lots of things to take away from that, especially you know the seniors and stuff on this squad, and probably a main reason why you're saying that because you have had some of the best soccer players ever to you know play for Mendota on this squad alone, and not just one, like a couple of them. 19-0, you're going through it. And you only gave up, what, four goals in the regular season? Yeah, yeah, four, only four. Three years ago, so the year
1: before COVID, when I took the program back over, like, we had a really good squad then, too. We went, like, with, with our seniors and juniors now. They were freshmen and sophomores then, and they were basically, other than a handful of seniors, they were the majority of our team that year, too, and we went 19-4. and but my one like gripe about about that group, and I wanted to fix that, was we always like we always had a tendency to let the other team score, even if it was kind of a blowout, and we'd be up four, five, six nothing. We would we'd always give up that one goal like late in games, and I just kept stressing to them that we can't we can't do that. You have to continue to keep like a defensive mindset and being a defensive player. When I played, like that would kind of bug me that we didn't have that want or desire to keep shutouts, and so we we definitely we made that a point of emphasis this past summer, getting everybody to. buy High into playing to playing defense, including our you know including our forwards, including yeah here. Once we lose the ball, we are all you know you're you're trying to win that ball back as a group. So that was that was the nice part. I mean we, we made that an emphasis and we were able to post uh, 16 shutouts throughout the course of the season and only allow four goals in the regular season and I don't even know what the tally ended up being total. I think we well we gave up two in the regional and then two in the. Uh, I think we ended up with like around 10 or 11 goals total for the season. So even then, that's still an incredible, incredible
0: feat. Yeah, to only give up six or seven goals in the postseason, and you weren't playing any scrubs by any means. We got ourselves tested, even in our regional with uh, with Newark and Serena. You
1: know the score lines ended up I think three one against Newark, and then it was so the five one score line against Serena. It it's, looks great on paper, but if you were actually at the game, we uh, we were trailing in that game one nothing until twenty eight minutes left in the game, and then we were able to punch in two quick two goals, one right after the other, and then the floodgates kind of opened up after that. But they Serena gave us all we could handle, and then yeah, once we got to sectionals, it was top
0: private school after. T- not private school. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the land of soccer, that's kind of how it works. Actually, in the land of all sports in Illinois. We talked a lot about that at school. You know, a lot of the other coaches
1: and teachers, we kind of started talking about that and chuckling about that. Is If you look at majority of the sports, you, if you end up looking at around the super sectional or state time, I mean, it's it's rare for you to find a public school still playing. And I do believe uh,
0: all four teams that went to state for soccer this year were private again also. So it's it gets tough the further you get. We gotta dive into this postseason run further. I mean, you guys won the first sectional championship from Mendota ever. That had to be crazy amazing for you and the squad. I mean, nobody done it before.
1: Right, these kids have. Uh, so they have followed Mendota High School. So I mean, most of their dads played, um, or they've got relatives that have played. So I mean, they they were aware of the history, and I've hyped that up to them for three years now. That you know, let's we've got the we've got the capabilities. Let's be the first group to win this school of sectional. And you know, we, we talked a lot about two. Up until that game, we've only been in two other sectional championships ever. My senior year, as a player, we lost two nothing to uh, Hinkley Big Rock, and then our. Seniors, their freshman year, they were in the sectional championship against Earlville. Um, but Yahir Diaz and Jose Arteaga were the only two out of the six seniors that actually played in that game. But I mean, it was it was incredible, and to see the emotions of just joy on on these guys' faces, and then our, our fans and their parents and stuff after the game, like it was it, it was fantastic, and it, I, I was so glad that it happened to this group. You know, there's been a lot of groups that have obviously have deserved it, but this group of kids for the amount of work they put in year round like they absolutely deserve to be the first team to win the school sectional title
0: what was it about this team that made those scores so gaudy and the record so gaudy and being able to bring that hardware to Mendota for the very first time what was it about this team on the field that made that happen team chemistry biggest thing like anybody that followed this team
1: like you can just see how well they all like they all get along i mean they they support each other in games there's never i don't think once i saw in the three years i had these seniors and then so now it feels like it's been three full years i've had this exact same team basically i've never once seen a little game two guys start arguing with each other i mean they back each other up they love the sport they Absolutely love the sport. I mean, I'd say over fifty percent of my of this team plays plays year round club soccer. Outside. When they're not in high school season, they're they're playing travel soccer. Just their pure joy for the sport and their ability to want to work hard. That was another like it's a good, great thing about coaching this team is they're so coachable. I mean, they're all fantastic players. Like they probably could have done this with no coach. Um, but the fact that like they know, like they're they're aware of how good they are. But then yet you can also like tell them, hey, we could work on this, or we, you could correct this, do it this way, and they like they take your advice and they listen to it, and they they're willing to correct things even though they're. Eaten and we went, I don't know how many games we went in a row with nobody scoring on us. Like, our defenders were still willing to be coached. Um, you know, yeah, here's scoring goals left and right, but he's still willing to be coached and listen to listen to advice and change some things up a bit. So, I mean, team chemistry and just their ability to be coachable, I think, were the, were the two biggest reasons that these
0: guys were able to accomplish all that they did. When you won the sectional, did you cry? <laughs>
1: you know, I was crazy because, I, I, I mean, I've I've teared up a little bit before just thinking about winning it and when we actually did win it and I don't know if it was just because of all the, like all the emotions going on and then we had to do pictures I had you know media wanting to talk to me right away but no I never did and but it was crazy though because it was like my heart was just pounding probably at least until we were like halfway back home like two hours later so uh, no tears but there was definitely definitely lots
0: of lots of positive emotions going on. Positive emotions going on after winning the sectional. What about the loss in the super sectionals one game away from state? 2-2, two two and then you fell three two, right? So we went two two
1: at the end of regulation and then nobody scored in the two overtime periods and then they took us out four two on PK's, so yeah, it was a three two loss overall.
0: I might start tearing up right now.
1: <laughs> it was tough. If you were if, if anybody anybody that was at the game it was that was a tough forty five minutes after the game to uh get those kids on the bus and, you know, I couldn't couldn't have felt more bad for, for all of them, really, but especially my those six seniors who, you know, they. I don't even think it was the fact that they that they they were one game away from state at the time. I think I think for them it was, you know, now we're done. <laughs> right. Um. Because that, because all six of them, I'm trying to think, and I'm pretty positive, all six of them. That's the only sport that they play at the high school. They just do soccer. I mean, they they live and breathe that. And I know have already started up their, their club team, their travel soccer. They've got that going on already, but just for that high school run to be over, you can see it, it was tough, and it was the most quiet
0: bus ride home I've ever been a part of. <laughs> so where does Yahir Diaz finish with goals? I know he's already got the record. He got it, you know, probably halfway probably through the halfway. season. Where did he end?
1: He ended up, season-wise, he ended up with 46. 40 was the season record. So he ended up with 46. He had, we had a couple of games in the in the playoffs that he wasn't able to punch any goals. And as we got into the sectional, he was pretty well double teamed and triple teamed uh, the entire game most of the time. But uh, 46 for the season and career wise, off the top of my head, I don't. He's well, he's well over 100. He was at 72. Sorry, 69
0: coming into the season. So add on 46 to that. 115. <laughs> 15 total goals. That's quick math, and I'm not the greatest. But. <laughs> yeah, me either. You beat me to the calculator on the phone. so <laughs> Perfect. Well, then I'm not too bad, then. I'm not too bad. <laughs> but you are driving and drinking water and, you know, whatever else. <laughs> Started off talking about this team, and I mentioned, you know, the seniors and what they mean, and you just said that as well. But literally, Yahir Diaz... A couple of the other guys' names that you've dropped are some of the best players that have been in Mendota's program. So this team, you know, kind of rallying around that, it wasn't just about those three. Of course, they were kind of the stars, and everybody knew who they were. And obviously, Yahir getting double, triple teamed in the postseason. But everybody on your team could do something, and everybody contributed to make this team awesome. I saw that every game that I saw them play.
1: That was, that was the greatest part about coaching this team was, as the other, you know, the opponent, you could opt to put a lot of your defensive focus on Yahir, because if you hadn't watched us on film and you just read newspaper articles or you look on Max Preps, I mean, you, you would think it's Yahir, here, Yahir, here, Yahir, here, but, I mean, we had Jonathan Cortez and Haseel Watson both almost get 20 goals each. We had every single starter, uh, except for David Garcia, score a goal they're all talented you know we could put yeah here in the back on defense and maybe throw Alex Focanno up front and Alex probably could produce 25 goals it was a team full of 11 starters on the field that were all very skillful and then a bench full of guys that were very skillful I always talk, I think to myself as most of these games that we would play majority of our bench would have been starters on most of the teams that we played against this year it's a little bit of a privilege being a coach of this team because it, it's very deep and you know that you know again it's I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know how next year will go. But if I had to predict, I I could see us making a very similar run next year as well.
0: That was my next question. I mean, what does a team like this do for the landscape of Mendota soccer moving forward? I mean, sometimes, like these kids, they saw their relatives play or heard about them playing and things like that. Well, now the young kids that are in May's soccer, Mendota area, youth soccer and stuff like that, they saw it. They heard about it. They saw the town going crazy about Mendota soccer. What did this team do for the future?
1: So I had that exact same conversation with this group. I told them about it the night that we did lose, but obviously when their emotions are what they are, they're, they're not listening to anything that's to say. So we did talk about it at our uniform turn in also in just that, What these guys have done for the future of Mendota soccer is now you grab the young kids who were in like these guys were in these young kids shoes years ago well now they just witnessed how fun it can be and the excitement that it can happen you know when you can go this far in the playoffs and you have a close-knit team like this was i'll be honest I'm, I'm sure this season probably picked up our numbers as far as kids going out for soccer it probably doubled them you know and you look at northbrook our junior high they had their season this fall too and i know junior high sports don't always success in junior high doesn't always translate to high school but they didn't lose a single game they didn't even give up a goal all season, the junior high team. So and I think they had like 15 or 16 eighth graders. So, I mean, even if we can get 10 out of those 15, graders to go out for soccer, like Mendota has a chance to have a very strong program for at least the next five years. And I think this particular high school team is going to be a big reason why that is, because I think they now have the community support, like more so than they ever have before. You know, because young kids want to be a part of successful successful sports teams. They want to experience that atmosphere also and i think you know parents want their kids to be part of stuff like that also so i think you'll see a very strong push
0: for kids to play soccer the next couple years now definitely i agree because i saw on facebook i saw the paintings on the windows and everything the way that the town the community was going for mendota soccer and it wasn't even just mendota because you know i talked to people from all over the place and princeton spring valley St. Bede, LP, Byron. I was talking to a coach from Byron asking me about the Mendota soccer team. So, obviously, it caught on, caught fire everywhere.
1: We witnessed that. I can't even tell you how many, most of especially public school soccer coaches of teams that we play and, and throughout the year and stuff, wishing us good luck as we've moved on to sectionals. And then definitely the outroar of support we had before we played Quincy Notre Dame was was tremendous and our kids knew it too because they you know they talked to other kids from other towns they couldn't believe all the support we were getting it was that made the run in the postseason even that more special was just all of the support we had not only from mendota
0: but other towns as well too and we kind of opened this up, or maybe we were talking about this before, you know, I hit the record button. But soccer wasn't like this, especially when we were in school. You and I in the same class graduated 4 in Mendota. Soccer, even if you had a good program, and obviously Mendota did at that time, it didn't catch fire. And the community wasn't talking about it anywhere close to what it is now. I mean, the popularity of the sport in general, and then especially in Mendota, has kicked up a million times from when we were in school. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I, I talk to the guys about that all the time. I mean, when my, when I played, if you were lucky, if you had anybody at the soccer games other than the parents of, of us that were on the team, it was somewhat new in Mendota High School Soccer. And I, I don't think back then it, it definitely didn't get the respect that it does now. And multiple people talked to me after after our sectional final against Quincy and then definitely after the super sectional against against Bloomington. I had a lot of people that have never watched soccer before come up to me and talk to me about how they didn't realize how exciting, you know, a soccer game can be, nor did they realize how physical a soccer game can be. So, I, you know, I think those two games really showed a lot of people that, you know, that, Every soccer game is exciting. I mean, we had a lot of regular season games that were certainly not very exciting. But if you get two really good teams playing against each other and it's a good game, like, soccer can be one of the most exciting sports to watch. It's it's very fast-paced, up and down. So I think our guys showed that this year, that it, you know, and now I definitely think we're going to have a lot more people, even more. We've had great turnouts the last couple of years, but I think going forward there's going to be a lot of support. I've heard potential rumors of possibly WGLC at least trying to play one game a week on the radio going forward for soccer. So, I mean, it's definitely picking up now because of this season. It's it's fantastic. As a lifelong soccer player and coach and fan, I, I love it. That it's finally now getting, you know, the recognition that it deserves. And, you know, these kids are recognized at, at the school and people are starting to, you know, oh, hey, you know, we have soccer. We got another pretty good sport to watch. <laughs>
0: Definitely. And I think about it because like, I played soccer when I was younger, like a little kid. And, you know, it seems like everybody does. It's something fun to join. And I actually coached May's team this past summer. But maybe it's just because, obviously, at that age you're not really good players. There's a couple that will get out of there and, you know, continue to play soccer. But in my mind, when we're having this conversation and I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe it's just because parents and that kid that themselves – knowing you know not putting in that work and it's just a startup sport and then that's how you look at it and then you leave and the people that keep going get good and can form good teams i don't think Lisa mendota You never had that, I don't know if you want to call it dedication or those people that just stuck with it the whole time because there was sports like football. There was, you know, other things going on, the Little League in the summer, then obviously transfers over to baseball and softball and things like that. Just the connection wasn't there and it obviously is now because people are sticking with it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I,
1: I have firsthand, you know, a knowledge of that or know knowledge, but, you know, I have experience in that. I mean, when, I, when we were younger and we had Mays and then the club soccer, it wasn't as big. Uh, definitely not. I mean, it was unheard of when we were younger and and even in high school. Even until recently, it hasn't been that big. And I think that's playing a big part. You know, the, the Kell started that indoor league. We didn't have that when we were, I think it had just started when we were kind of in high school, but. So a lot of the Mendota kids now will play. You know, I know the, the dads will get the younger kids together and they'll go play that in the winter. The Astra Soccer Academy, the club soccer team that all these guys play on, I, that's a big reason too for why we're having the success that we do is because a good chunk of our Mendota players together on that so they're playing high school together in the fall. They normally will go to indoor soccer in club in the winter and they do a little bit of stuff with their Astra club soccer in the winter also but then all spring and a good chunk of summer they're playing travel soccer together so I mean these guys are playing games you know springtime summertime so then when we get together as a team in, in July I mean they're already in peak form. So I think club soccer and the, the, the ability to play more than just Maze I think is playing a big part into the popularity in soccer also because yeah we never had that before it was always kind of you played Maze and, and pretty much everybody that played football in high school like when we were younger would, would they at least played Maze but then yeah you just never kind of most people didn't keep that connection going and then played that in high school. It was just kind of one of those sports you played when you were younger, and then when you get to high school, you, you play football and basketball and, and baseball. But yeah, it's it's definitely picked up in popularity, and I, I just think there's so many ways to play
0: now that kids are really getting into it. I totally agree, and it's cool to see. Like I, like I said, I played when I was little just because. It's like, hey, it's summer. What do I have my kid do? Let's have him play soccer. But as he just got older, I definitely lost connection with it because you know my love was basketball. I played other sports, and then you know you, you kind of s- still see that today, but obviously not as much. It's just cool to, you know, have those options and have those other sports. And soccer is a cool sport. Like, I'm not going to say that I hated it, but I was never really a fan until I started working at a newspaper. And then I had to go to these games, and I just learned to love it. I was like, man, this is actually really cool. I got the strategy. You know, after a while, you start picking stuff up. And I was like, man, this is actually really cool. So I'm glad that it's caught fire and that people are really paying attention to and actually like going to soccer games now. Yeah, and I, I actually think the
1: marketability of like the pro, of professional soccer leagues has played a part in that too, because you know, I mean, you you can always and there's ESPN, I mean, all the big networks have now picked up like carrying like the english english premier league the spanish you know spanish professional league so i think the ability to watch professional soccer is now easier and i think that's also a big reason for the popularity of soccer with younger kids too is you know they're they're seeing it on tv so they're enjoying it more than before i mean when we were younger it was you know you might be able to catch the chicago fire on wgn but that was like all you knew it just wasn't something that was on
0: TV all the time so I think that that helps out with popularity in it also now with the soccer season being over you got just a couple weeks then you start another endeavor and then you got you know girls soccer in the spring so you're gonna keep rolling here
1: oh absolutely you know and I I love it like coaching is a is a big passion of mine. I, I especially especially it's it's so easy coaching soccer at Mendota. I mean, even our girls team, they're great kids. They 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 have a work ethic. They wanna get better. I couldn't have been happier after our spring girls season. So we we have, that I'm aware of, I don't think we've ever had any Mendota girls play play club soccer. Never had anybody play year-round. And I think the boys having the success that they had two years ago and then in our little spring season here too, um, we ended up getting eight girls from the high school team to end up joining the girls astra club soccer team this summer there's a few of them that actually have a tournament this weekend in Champaign. so i'm very excited for girls soccer also we're getting more girls to commit to you know working hard at it getting in the weight room we had a good chunk of girls go to the weight room this summer so i'm very excited about you know i don't want to forget about the boys season i still i still like to think about that but now i'm also you know kind of trying to get into like girl soccer mode because i do think we have a chance to be able to compete and hopefully compete for a regional championship this spring with our girls. So, and they're excited. They've been bugging me already, too, about when we're going to start open gyms, when we're going to start in the weight room. And I think a lot of it is that they were at a lot of the boys' games, so they saw the boys' success. Now they want to try to, you know, have the same type of success going forward. So even another thing, you know, it's another example of how this boys' season, I think, is just going to help out soccer in Mendoza so much. Like, the girls saw this success, and now, now they want to have the same. So they're willing to work even harder now also. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible what one really, really good season can do to, you know, and I, and I hope the boys' soccer season also translates into all of our other sports at the high school, too. I hope everybody sees what hard work and dedication, um, you know, can get you. Because, I mean, summertime, when stuff's not mandatory, I mean, we. I know other, I tried to get some scrimmages for us this past summer, but I struggled to find other high school teams that the coach could depend on having 11 guys show up to come scrimmage us and I get not all of them but I mean we get over 20 to 25 kids that show up every day in the summer for non-mandatory
0: practices so it I mean they're a prime example of hard work pays off Speaking of other sports Mendota football team getting to the playoffs for the first time since 2014 and kind of matching the record that they've had for the last seven years with five wins I mean that's a huge thing for Mendota's sports as well yeah, this fall was was incredible to be working at the high school and teaching at the high school and just being a part of you know Mendota. Everything soccer team was successful, football team qualified
1: for the playoffs, you know for the first time in a very long time. Volleyball had a great season. Cross country, I believe, advanced to sectionals. Yep. And I know the, we had two two boy golf two boys uh, qualified for sectionals on the golf team, and I believe the tennis girls tennis team had. I mean, every, everybody had a great season this fall so it was it was nice you know it's it's been a long time at mendota with all these successful sports programs so it it was really cool to be at that school every day with with every sports team you know having some success and you know i'm hoping that that carries on and gets kids to you know want to want to see that in the winter here with girls and boys basketball starting also
0: as the mendota high school gym teacher is it because you're teaching them this stuff in gym class is it because of you uh
1: to say so, but I I don't
0: think my uh, my PE teaching abilities is having any effect on, on our sports teams. So, <laughs> but if they start badminton in the Three Rivers Mississippi or East divisions, you got this, right? I I would be very confident. Mendota would probably finish top of the conference, and then that one. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, Nick, as always, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat podcast. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, and congratulations from me edge of your seat podcast for the crazy impressive year that the mendota boys soccer team had
1: thank you I, I appreciate
0: it i appreciate your support and i i without a doubt we appreciate all of the town of Mendota's support that we got this season we spoke with mendota boys soccer coach nick myers but we can't just stop there we have to keep talking about the amazing season that the trojans had we have junior jonathan cortez with us Jonathan, what is going on, my friend? Hey, thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, we had to talk some soccer. I asked Coach. I'm like, I got these two, three kids I was thinking about. Who should I have? He picked you and said, hey, this dude can talk, and he loves the sport. Is this correct? Can you talk, and do you love the sport of soccer? Of course, yeah. (laughs) He was like, I think I can talk. I think I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So you're a junior at Mendota. I mean, let's just talk about this year Without soccer, so far. I mean, we had the COVID year last year. Everything was weird. Still got the pandemic around, but a little different. We get to play things. We had a IHSA state tournament, so it had to be a better year for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, last year the whole schedule was different because of the pandemic and everything. And this year things are like starting to go back to normal finally. And it took a little bit of adjusting at the beginning of the year, but. We're getting there now, and then obviously we had the full season this year, rather than just the ten games I think it was that we had last year. Yeah, this year we got a full season and the postseason. It was nice to have that. Definitely. How did
0: you guys adapt? Obviously not too shabby as you won nineteen straight games of the regular season, went nineteen and zero, and did you finish twenty two or twenty three and one? Twenty three and one it was. So uh, I'm guessing you guys adapted to this year quite well,
2: especially since last year. It was kind of a young squad. We didn't have a single senior in that team, but obviously we all matured a lot from last season. We played a, we played a couple of big games in the conference tournament, and I think this helped us out a lot, and we worked really hard in the off season too, to get ready for this year.
0: Perfect. What were some of the things that you were doing personally as a player to improve your game?
2: Well, here in my house, I have a soccer goal outside my house because I live in a farm. Every once in a while, I'd go out there and practice, and then when we had uh, workouts in the weight room at the school for... Just a team or just practices outside in the off season. I'd make sure I tried to get to as many as I could.
0: How many did you try to shoot a day?
2: I didn't really like set myself for like a specific number. I just tried I just went outside, just put my music on and just started taking shots. Sometimes I'd get my brother out there to play goalie for me yeah. a little bit.
0: Gotcha, who's your brother? Uh my brother's name is Johan. How old is he? He's in eighth grade. Okay, so he's not like five and you're just blowing the ball no, past no. him. Nah, no, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He's going to be, yeah, he'll be a freshman next
0: year. He plays soccer as well? Yep. So you're grooming him. You're like, hey, I'm going to teach you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. No, I mean, we've both been playing soccer for a long time, so we're just kind of, whenever we get a chance, we just kind of like to go go outside and just have some fun out there.
0: Who's going to be the better soccer player, you or him?
2: I think me, but he, he's going to get close. He's going to get close for
0: sure. He's got some talent. What position did you play for Mendota? Where were you at on the on the field?
2: I primarily played uh, as a left attacking mid, but sometimes I play in on the right side, and then I also played left back for a little bit when needed. But primarily
0: on the left side, left attacking mid. Okay, so you're like a utility player, but normally you were, you were trying to strike and score. Yeah. How was it playing with a player like Yahir Diaz? I mean, great player, now has records all throughout Mendota, boys soccer, books, like he pretty much owns all the scoring ones. How was it playing with him because he obviously attracted defenses, and you've seen it in the postseason as he was getting doubled and triple teamed?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he's not enough to say about him. He's a great player. It was nice getting to play with him in high school. We got three years together. It was a fun experience with him. And we were on the same travel team as well, so we're still going to get a few tournaments together here before he goes off to college and finds a find the team. But, yeah, it was nice playing with him, and we got along together pretty well. And, no, we just connected well on the field.
0: Did playing with yahir did it make your game easier or better i mean him attracting the defenses you probably got more looks and yahir is a pretty good passer and could set you up as well
2: yeah he he helped me out a lot and uh, while well, attracting defenses and then giving us more space both me and the other attackers he would always step up in the big games but knowing that being him by himself wouldn't be enough especially in the, with against these tough teams so and he helped me know that I had to step up and other people had to step up in those big games as well
0: Perfect. I mean, stepping up seemed to be what your team did all year. I mean, every single game you guys came in, kind of like it was your last. You guys didn't really let up. I think you only gave up just a couple goals all year. So let's talk about that defense and, you know, how you guys keyed in and not letting them score. Our defense
2: is super solid. Even last year, we had a really solid defense. But, I don't know, this year, we kind of got more aggressive in the back. We made a couple switches and... We made sure one of our big goals was to keep as much clean sheets as possible. Last year, we got, I think it was like two or three games away from the record for most clean sheets already in that shortened season. So we knew that this year, if we just played the same way, just as aggressive, we'd get that record pretty easily.
0: I played soccer when I was younger. I really wasn't any good whatsoever. I went and played basketball and football instead. But as I've gotten older... Obviously, being a journalist, I've covered many games, I've watched it from time to time, English Premier League, you know, things like that. And as I continue watching and kind of diving into soccer a little more, it is extremely aggressive. I never realized how aggressive it was. This Mendota team was able to be aggressive and still play with that crazy fast speed you guys have. How did all that work out and just play on the field as well as it did?
2: Well, once we started getting in deeper into the playoffs and those postseason games, it it started becoming more, like, less and less about technical ability and more about just who wanted it more. And that's why, like, those games it became really aggressive. But just in general, I mean, all our players are talented literally on every every part of the field, and we all have a good touch and good control on the ball, and we all, like, to, we like to play fast as a team. And I think we really showcased it this season more than ever. More than ever? Like, ever, ever? Well, considering we got all the records, I'd say, yeah.
0: Great answer. Great answer. I love it. Like, yeah, Brandon, look at here. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, first sectional championship in Mendota history. Man, what was going through your mind as the seconds are winding down in that sectional championship game and it happens. You guys win it.
2: I mean, in the moment, when there was like actually less than 10 minutes, I was just thinking, let's just get this ball out of our box, get out of our half of the field, just kick it out, just kick it out. Got to hold the lead. Once the final whistle blew and we won, I mean, it was was amazing. We knew it was going to be an intense game, and we knew it was going to be able to go either way. So we came out with a lot of intensity, and I don't really think they expected that too much. Yeah, we came out with intensity and just played hard the whole game, and it ended up going our way, and we won.
0: Was there any nerves going into that game? I mean, you guys were about to set school history. You did set it. Going into this match, was there like, oh, man, what are we going to do here? Are we going to do this? Or did it just kind of be like, hey, we have to win this. Let's win. I mean, for me personally, the nerves
2: always like start kicking in a little bit when, you, when I hear that national anthem. That's really when it starts kicking in. I mean, we knew we had to play intense, and we knew that from watching some of their games and comparing them to us. Like we knew that if we play, if we just played our game, we could really beat anyone. So we weren't really scared of them or anything like that. We knew that playing well, we
0: could beat them, and you did. Yep. As a group, as a team, I mean, I guess, can't really speak for everybody else, but what did that really mean to you to be, you know, a part of that team and a part of this group that kind of steamrolled everybody all year and put soccer on the map in kind of a bigger way than usual? I mean, the whole entire town of Mendota and the community was backing this Mendota soccer team.
2: It was amazing seeing all the support that we were getting all across town. Coach always telling us about how, He's getting emails and texts on Facebook and stuff about people who've never been to a soccer game in their life telling them that they were getting tickets to our games. And it it meant a lot because we finally put Mendota Soccer on the map, I feel like, not only just in the town, but in the general area. I mean, people knew that we were good, but I don't think much people really thought that we could go as far as we did and beat the teams that we were beating.
0: Being a junior, you're coming back for another season. What do you think about this team in the future? You lose Yahir Diaz. You lose a lot of other seniors that you talked about before. Last year there wasn't, and then this year kind of not senior dominant, but senior led, and now they're going to be gone. What do you see this team becoming moving forward? I
2: mean, obviously it's going to hurt to lose those seniors because they all had big impacts on the team. Every single one of them started, so. We have a lot of people that didn't get much playing time necessarily this year because of just how, how much depth we have on our team, but they're definitely talented players and they show that all their practices, they always work hard and they really compete. Like whenever we do scrimmages or anything, they, um, they match our intensity and energy and I think those players will
0: fit in well next season. Do you think the Mendota Boys soccer program is becoming one of those programs like, hey, if you just want to play soccer and just, you know, kick the ball around, don't come here. If you really want to play, you want to be part of this team, and you want to win, then join. Is it kind of sort of becoming that?
2: Yeah, I mean, ever since when I was a freshman, I first got in there. I could just tell from the from the start, it was just really intense, especially in the practices and in the, the games, just intense, fast play, and you have to be, especially for this team now that we have so many talented players, it's kind of tough to, like, find a spot unless you work really hard and try to earn that spot. So, yeah, it's definitely becoming a thing where we're becoming talented and all the players are talented, and it's kind of hard to find your way into the team.
0: So if you don't bring your A game, even in practice, you might not see the field. Practice is where you got to try to play your best so you can show the coach that you're ready for the games. Let's talk about the coaches. We'll start with head coach Nick Myers. Mentioned him a few times. I mean, I went to school with him. We were in the same class. I knew his love and dedication for the sport then. He was on the first team that went to the sectional and then coached the one, I think, three years ago. And he's been all over the place playing, coaching. How important was it to have somebody like him that knew the game, loved the game, and wanted to lead you guys to a sectional championship?
2: Uh, He's an amazing coach, honestly. He always pushes us. But he, also, he knows when to, when it's like time to joke around maybe be a little bit more lenient, and then he knows when it's time to get serious. He makes sure that we know that, too. So there'll be times where we're just joking around and messing around in practice, and then there'll be other times where we're like, okay, we got a big game coming up, and we got big like adjustments or fixes that we need to make to this certain area of our game, and we got to make sure we focus and get these things fixed. It's a good balance, and that's why I think it makes even the practices, so much so much more fun and so much more entertaining and why it makes the game so fun too. Because with a coach that's just serious and intense and a little like too strict, it, it kind of takes the fun out of it sometimes. So it's nice to have a good balance between
0: the time to joke around and mess around a little bit, have some fun, and the time to focus up and get serious. Definitely. I totally agree about that in terms of coaches. Is he widely respected throughout the team? Oh, yeah. Everyone has respect for him. I don't think many of us had known him
2: much before that, but yeah, we all gained his respect pretty quickly and he's been able to maintain it and I could tell that he respects us too and we just have a good relationship
0: there between him and the team. And that kinda, of, you know, cohesion that collective wants to win and love for the sport, I think you could see that on the field between the players and the coaches and how it just all gel together and I think that is a huge key to success especially soccer.
2: Oh, yeah, you can see that he loves every game with passion. It doesn't matter who the opponent is or what the score is or anything. He, he always tries to make sure we're playing at our best. It doesn't matter if the game, quote-unquote, already won or if we have to hold on for the last five minutes to get the win. He's always pushing us to stay focused on the game and always just give our best when around on the field. And so he always tells us, that even if we're on the field, if, he, if, he, if he just needs us for two minutes, just make sure it's the best two minutes of soccer you've
0: ever played. Definitely. And then we had assistant coach Ray Arteaga, right? Yep. What do you think about him and how did he come in and help the team, being this was his first year with uh, Mendota Boys Soccer?
2: Well, Ray's my cousin, so I always talk to him and and we have a good relationship, but he definitely helped, too. A lot. There would be a couple times where a coach wouldn't uh, be able to make to practice, so Coach Ray would have to come in and he always did a good job. and. He knows a lot about the game, too. He likes the, he likes soccer a lot, so he knows how to get us going. And...
0: Was it cool having two coaches that love the game and have been around the game as much as they have? I mean, Ray just came from coaching IVCC soccer, so junior college ball, and comes in and helps Mendota soccer. Was it cool having two experienced coaches that, you know, whatever situation, whatever issue arose, you could go and talk to them? Yeah,
2: and I mean, they're both composed, especially in the big games. I know it's big for the players to stay composed in those big games where the nerves could be hitting, and yeah, you could just get nervous and sometimes break down. There's a lot of players that will break down under that pressure. But not only us players, but Coach Myers and Coach Ray were really composed too during those games, and they stayed calm, and I think that helped a lot of us stay calm too
0: in those big games. Staying calm has got to be important, especially sectional championship. Even the super sectional, you guys unfortunately lost in penalty kicks, but you got to penalty kicks. 2-2 at the end of the regulation, two overtimes. I mean, you guys were in it until the very end, so being non-stressed and just playing the game it had to be important.
2: Every time we scored Bloomington, finally found a way to fight back, and props to them for the game. They played a good game. I mean... Yeah, we played hard, and we stayed calm at the same time. Didn't let too many mistakes happen, and we just played our game. That's that's usually how we got to go. Because I know uh, there's teams that would adjust against these bigger teams to try to stay more defensive or just try to counterattack. But no, we, we stayed to just sticking to our game plan that we've been playing with
0: the whole season and then just taking it to the other team. You guys won all season. Undefeated regular season, you get to the super sectional, and then take that first L, ends the season. What was going through your head? I mean, like I said, just won everything. It's the first loss, and then your season's over. Was it kind of, did it kind of, like, smack you in the face? Or was it like, hey, with us coming into these games in the postseason, we know we could lose, and we know it could be over.
2: We all knew deep down that if we lost, it was going to be over, but none of us really wanted to think about that. So when it happened, especially how it was so, like, if we would have lost just in regulation by, like, one or two goals, then we would have been, like, already thinking about it in the game, like, dang, this is over. But, like, to losing PKs where, like, still anything could have happened until that last kick, it was upsetting. I know, I'm going to miss playing with, like, this specific group of people because we had the spring season together and then this season, and we learned a lot from that spring season, and that's why I think we won. We were winning <laughs> 24-7, and, I mean, I'm going to miss this team, but you got to look forward to next year now.
0: Moving forward, what are you personally, as a soccer player, going to continue to work on for you? Are you just going to, you know, stick at your goal in the farmhouse, or you're going to do any additional things to, you know, polish your game?
2: I'm not sure, honestly. I, I might just stick to the to the farmhouse and the goal here. Actually, coaches told me that there's going to be people that are going to need to step up next year to fill those roles that, let's say, yeah, he, that that yeah, had or that also had the big key players that we're going to miss next year and. Just gonna try to work hard in the offseason, just improve the game however we can, and get
0: back at it next year. It's almost like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan sat outside in this, like, old dusty hoop that really wasn't even a basketball hoop and became Michael Jordan. Is that what you're trying to do with soccer? Yeah, in a way. I mean, I'm just trying to do whatever I can to help the
2: team out, uh, at least for now, and then once next season comes, just do our best and try to live up to the expectations because I feel like we're going to have really high expectations especially after the season to try and do the same
0: things again and I mean just try and be ambitious and why not try to go for those records again no doubt Well, well said congratulations on everything that you and you know Mendota boys soccer was able to accomplish this year oh thank you thank you can't let you go yet though Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have play a game. Let's play some hot potato. I'm going to throw a couple things at you, and you pick which one you like better, okay? All right, let's do it. You're in the band? Yep. Play the clarinet? Yes. Are you good at the clarinet? Uh, I'd say I'm pretty good. Uh, Yeah, I've been playing for, since fifth grade, I've actually
2: been playing, so I've
0: improved a lot over the years. Since fifth grade, the clarinet? Yep. You never switched up and tried to do another instrument?
2: I played the saxophone for a few months, but it didn't really hit the
0: same. And then so,
2: and then the clarinet, I was already like improving and I just wanted to stick to it to
0: see how good I could get on it. Do they still do the chair thing where there's like the first chair with the best player and then they kind of go down the row?
2: No, that kind of stopped that
0: like now in high school. We just kind
2: of like, for some songs, some people will get first part and second part on the music and then in other songs, other people will get it. It's not really based on chairs anymore or anything like that
0: good i always thought that was stupid
2: yeah you could either just not care about it and just like just do whatever and end up wherever you're at but then there's always those people that just like stress about it and are always just trying so hard to get their first share i mean it's not a bad thing but it's just like it's an added level of stress that isn't really necessary
0: the way i looked at it is a it's a band and if one person plays off key you know you can hear it like <laughs> you can definitely hear when somebody plays a wrong note or something so yeah. why separate everybody and just mesh them together because then, I mean, then you're like singling out people or putting a spotlight on these players that might not be as good, but hey, they're all for band and just trying to have some fun.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's what's really at this, at this point in high school. We just kind of,
0: everyone gets their, like, moments and songs and stuff, and we all just blend together as a whole band and just try to perform. Definitely. What's your favorite song on the clarinet? Oh, on the clarinet? I'm not sure, Honestly. There's been a couple, but I couldn't really name one to you, honestly. I'm kind of disappointed you can't. Yeah, so am I. I'm trying to think of (laughs) some. No worries, no worries. Well, bring this up. (laughs) We'll start that with Hot Potato right there. Playing soccer or playing the clarinet? Definitely playing soccer. I mean, I love the clarinet. I've been playing it
2: for a while, but soccer is just different. I love
0: soccer. Have you ever tried to play soccer while playing the clarinet?
2: No, I haven't tried that yet. I guess I could, right, because you just need your feet for soccer. Maybe I could try it, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll
0: see. You kick her on the soccer ball while playing the clarinet. I could see you doing it.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll try it outside here in the backyard, see how it goes. Perfect,
0: perfect. <laughs> on the soccer field, playing offense or playing defense since you did play in the back?
2: I'd say playing offense and the defense. I like playing defense, too, but... It's just a lot of, sometimes it's a lot of pressure just because in offense you can try something, try to move, to beat defender or something, and if it messes up, you just got to regroup and just try to pressure the ball to win the ball back. In defense, if you make a mistake, then they're immediately just through under your goal, and I don't know, it's just a lot of added pressure on defense. So I definitely like to attack more, and the goals and assists are nice too.
0: Shows up on the box score.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are out.
0: You don't play any other sports at Mendota High School, but we're going to ask anyway. Which one do you like better, basketball or football? Uh,
2: basketball. Well, I forgot to mention this, but I actually did play basketball. A couple. i, I played it the last two years, but this year I decided I'm just going to take a break and just focus on soccer.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. But you did like basketball or did enjoy playing it?
2: I, I still enjoy it. It's, uh, it's still a fun sport, but at this point I'm just trying to stay focused on them. On the main sport, and that'd be soccer. We still got a couple tournaments for the travel team coming here in the next couple months before it starts getting like freezing cold and just snowing everywhere. And then the indoor league in DeKalb, I got a team that's playing
0: there too. Are you gonna try to play college soccer?
2: Yeah, I mean that's the goal. But I don't know we're just gonna, I'm just gonna keep working, and we'll see what happens in the future.
0: All right, we've been uh, distracting from this game a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> You're driving. Would you rather drive a car or a truck? Ooh, a car.
2: Trucks are really, trucks are big. Sometimes I get scared parking. Because sometimes I've driven my dad's truck
0: a few times and parking is kind of it's kind of rough. So I definitely prefer the car. Mendota colors. Purple or gold?
2: Ooh, that was actually a tough one. I'm actually not sure. I think I go purple, but just, it's just because that's the one I see more often, I feel like. And I, that's kind of really it. I, I, I like both, though. But I prefer purple.
0: Math or science?
2: Math. Math, definitely. Science gets really confusing sometimes,
0: but I feel like math, once you know like the formulas and stuff, it doesn't get that difficult. Math or English? Math, again. English is a lot of writing. Are you trying to hate on a lot of writing? No, I mean, <laughs> sometimes,
2: no, writing, when you write about like stuff that you're interested in and that you like, then it's fun, but writing an essay on a paper, that, or on a book that you gotta read in two weeks, weeks—that's like it's not as entertaining, I'd say.
0: Um it's pretty much torture actually. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, I mean, this one you got to go through it. <laughs> no doubt. A lot of things you just got to go through. Yeah. Lunches at school. They still have the baked potato bar? Not really
2: a baked potato bar. They just have it like sometimes in the a la carte line, they have it for lunch. But it's not, I don't think it's really a bar. where You can get a baked potato every day, but I might be wrong, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, it's okay. And maybe I'm just pretending that it was a bar. But you get a baked potato, some sour cream, some cheese. Yeah, yeah. So the baked potato or the pizza? Ooh, I actually don't know. I think that's actually a tough
2: question, actually. I think I'd go with the baked potato.
0: But it's definitely close. When I was there many, many, many moons ago, that was my toughest choice. I'm like, do I go baked potato or pizza on pizza day? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that was a tough one. I think I
2: think it kind of depends on the day, actually. I feel like some days I'd pick a baked potato, and other days I'd pick the
0: pizza. Halloween or Thanksgiving? I think
2: Thanksgiving. It's nice seeing, like, all the family together, and the food. Well, the food isn't really the main part. Just getting to see the family,
0: it's nice. Okay, okay. Thanksgiving or Christmas?
2: No, yeah, it's definitely Christmas. Christmas is just, like, a whole different atmosphere. I don't know how to explain it. Like, Christmas break, and then you get all the movies, and... Obviously, Christmas day spending with the family—it's
0: always nice. If you had the choice, listen to Christmas music or not listen to Christmas music? Um, uh, definitely listen. I know sometimes, like I remember
2: last year, I'd be like in my room on my PS4 playing like Call of Duty or something, and I'd be listening to Christmas music on the background. It was a fun time.
0: That is officially the weirdest thing I've ever
2: heard. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I was—I just saw the playlist on Spotify, and I was like alright let's do it and then I just
0: start playing Call of Duty I don't know so then you're killing people on Call of Duty Listen to Frosty the Snowman
2: yeah kind of no but I always just play the, Mar- the Mariah Carey song
0: uh, for sure all I want for Christmas yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's the one I'd usually be playing gotcha 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 talking about video games PlayStation or Xbox
2: I'd say PlayStation now but the Xbox 360
0: was really nice but I'd say right now PlayStation for sure and one more before we let you go. We're talking about Christmas. That was your favorite. Giving gifts or receiving gifts?
2: It's nice receiving, but I always like giving gifts. I like to see people's reactions when you give them a gift. Like they always like you see their lives their eyes light up and they get happy. That's always nice to see. It's making people
0: happy. The Mendota Boys soccer team and you being part of that made a lot of people happy. Community, the whole area. Congratulations on a great season, and thank you for coming to Edge of Your Seat Podcast and sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. It It was a fun time.